I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Poi Trezeguet sulla destra, la palla spistata, Nedved, attenzione, cerca il fondo. Pallonetto, poi arriva l'alta, Del Piero, tolla! Zidane, falcate, Vigo anticipato, palla che sembra essere buona ancora per Del Piero, attenzione Del Piero contro Hierro, una serie di dribbling, lo fa cadere, gol! Alex Del Piero raddoppia, ha giocato, ha beffato! Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. My name is Marcus Speller, opposite me is Jonathan Wilson and joining us today is one Andy Brassel, of course a member of the Football Ramble Daily Parish. Andy, bloody good to have you here. Bloody good to be here. You know these surroundings well, my good man. I do. Yes, indeed. Well... Let us go straight to the game that you've picked today. It's the Champions League semi-final in 2003. Second leg between Juventus and Real Madrid in Turin. Juventus, of course, would go on and face Milan in the final at Old Trafford for the first all-Italian affair in the final of the Champions League. But why, Andy? Why have you chosen this game? Because it's very Juventus in the Champions League. Uh, Juventus have often been one of the most stylish, arresting teams in the Champions League, um, and ultimately they don't get it done. I mean, you mentioned <laughs> the final there. Uh, it's, it's still incredible to me that you're talking about a club that only have two European Cup stroke Champions League titles. And um, if ever there was a, a semi-final second leg that would convince you that a team were such worthy winners, then this would be it. But th- there are so many other angles to it, I think. Um, the fact that um, it was... Nedved's best moment and worst oh, moment, yeah. um, which I know we'll come to. And if we start from the very beginning, let's talk about the Stadio delle Alpi as well, because of course, um, the current Juventus Stadium, under which have enjoyed fantastic success, is on the same site. It's still bloody difficult to get to, <laughs> but it's so much more loved than the delle Alpi was before, um, because the the, the new Juventus Stadium, the new Allianz 
is kind of based on an English stadium, really, isn't it? It's penned in. Pretty it's very boxy tight. and, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's smaller than they could have made it. Close because, to the pitch. Yeah, they, exactly. They, they wanted it to be intimidating, noisy, and they wanted it to fill up every single week. And it's proved a huge financial and ideological success for them, really. Um, it's and they moved into the Deli Alpi, uh, it was the World Cup in 1990 it was built for, wasn't it? And they exactly. played every before that. Exactly. And the thing is with the, the Deli Alpi, it was considered the opposite of um, its modern counterpart in that um, sight lines were poor. Um, it's really long way away from the pitch. And it was if, cold and windy. Like, it just felt a cold stadium whenever yeah, you were there. And they never absolutely. sold it out, did they? No, that's the thing, Marcus, because I think if you look at across like Juventus's really great spell in the in in the Champions League, so if you go like mid nineties to mid noughties. Oh, they were yeah, just they, to come they, in to, they were fantastic. To say they've only won those two titles, mm. yeah, it's mad when you think about it. And yet so many of those games, like big games, they could play Bayern Munich yeah. in the knockout rounds. And get under 20,000. This is yeah. how much this stadium was absolutely detested. This game against Real Madrid was an exception. And if you go back and watch the highlights, or if you YouTube the highlights of this, it's the first thing that strikes you, the noise. Because having that sort of energy, that sort of warmth, it's not as if it's uncommon at Juventus games, because when they've, on the odd occasion, played home games at the San Siro, when you see them going away... Of course, Juventus teams, Juventus fans are, are, are passionate and get behind their team. But there was never this click with the Deli Alpi. But on this night, it was different. Yeah. So, I mean, it was at a time when Real Madrid were the Galacticos. It was that era, Jonathan. When the they, holders. They were the well. holders as well. Of course, they'd won in 2002. Uh, they had Raul, they had Ronaldo, who was on the bench for, for the second leg. He was, he was injured. Um, but Which he, I think was actually very significant. It was, yeah. Because uh, Ronaldo, the previous round, I mean, both teams had struggled a little bit in the second group stage. So this was a time when there was a first group stage, top two went through into the second group stage, yeah. and then the top two of those four groups went through in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. And both Juve and Real Madrid had, had gone through second in that group. So, I mean, Real Madrid's record, uh, I think they only won two games mm. in, in that second group stage. Well, they had a very late goal against Dortmund, was it? Yeah, they needed a late goal against yeah. I think, yeah, an injury time goal against Dortmund to, to, to make it through. Mm. Um, uh, Juve had lost both games against Manchester United in that, in that group stage. Yeah. United then played Madrid in the quarterfinal, and that's the game when A, Raul is brilliant in the first leg, mm. and Real Madrid won 3 1. Mm. And then. Uh, I don't want to put it down to this, but all I would say is I interviewed Ronaldo on Easter Sunday. Yes. And he hadn't played for a long time. It's no coincidence, is it? And then his next game, he scores a hat-trick at Old Trafford. There you see. I, look, all I'm doing is giving you the facts in a particular yeah. order with a, in a particular tone of voice. I'm not telling you what to think, no. but I just sort of think, you know, he, like a couple of tips. and you uh, know. Jonathan, I think two and two makes four very much so in that, <laughs> in that equation. And he scored, yeah, scored the hat-trick at Old Trafford and although they ultimately lost the game 4-3, they were never... Was Old Trafford applauding you or him? Well, see, it's I, hard to tell. It I think, was hard to tell with that information <laughs> and I, coming I think to because light. I'm so naturally modest, a lot of people assumed it was Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, but, and, um, but, but, you, but you have a mode because you've you've kept very quiet up until now, um, and, uh, and that shows uh, what, but, but what yeah, great character he, he was applauded off when he, you know, he got substituted. I don't know, ten minutes from time or uh-huh. something, and, and uh, yeah, although United subsequently came back into it and won the game. Oh, the game was gone. The ages it was. Before. There was yeah. 
So it was a great, it's a great Real Madrid side, you know, Figo and as you say, Raul Zidane, you know, Guti, wonderful Campiasso. man. Yeah, Hierro at the back, Casillas in goal, but Juventus as well, Andy. Buffon in goal, Turam, uh, Zambrotta, Tacanardi, Edgar Davids, uh, uh, Pavel Nedved, as you say, David Trezeguet and Del Piero and so I, on. I kind of do wonder if this was a great Real Madrid side or a Real Madrid side full of great players. And I, I think, I think well, there is a, a fair slight definition. Suggestion. And, um, well, because we've, we've talked about, I, I think there's a uh, an intimation of what's to come in that we, we talked about Ronaldo being injured missing the second leg. Yes. Far, far, far more significant is McAlady yeah, is injured. Huge. And th- this is sort of, what happens if you take McAlady out of this team? Oh, it's a little bit vulnerable. Yes, of course. And people probably should have noticed that before they sold him. Yeah, well, I mean, Zidane famously said, you know, he's, um, Perez has sold the engine of the Rolls Royce or something. Yeah, he's, worst he's our best thing. player. Yeah. But, but this was Real Madrid's side. You you had that odd period where, so we've seen Real Madrid win th- the, the, the first side to defend the Champions League and obviously won three in a row um, in recent years. But you had a long period where... They couldn't get past. Was it the second round or the quarterfinal? They, they they really stumbled. The number to Mourinho, I think they got to the semi final. Yeah, they had seven yeah. seasons when they didn't get to the quarterfinal. In a that's row. right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So so it was sort of that sort of period before winning the three in a row. You had this side as well, who yes. won it in two thousand, I think. Who ninety eight, two thousand, and two thousand and two. Yeah. So they beat Juventus in ninety eight. Yeah. Miatovic scoring the winner. They beat um, uh, Valencia. 3-0. Was that in 2 or 2000? Uh, 2000 in Paris and then they, in uh, 2 they beat Leverkusen in Glasgow. Exactly. But it's, it's interesting you bring that up, Marcus, because and the 98 final with Juventus in, mm. in, in particular, because it's good to bring together these two strands of Juventus in the Champions League, yes. I think. Um, in the back half of the, the 90s, Juventus under Lippi in his first spell at the club, Marcello Lippi, that they could have easily been another Ajax or another Bayern from the 70s. You know, there's strong argument that they should have won those three years in a row. Of course, they did win in 96 against Ajax. Lost in 97 against not a, an incredible Dortmund side, a good Dortmund side, but not an incredible Dortmund side. And then they lost to Real Madrid in 98. Now, those were both matches, especially in the second halves of those games, that they really dominated. And... As I said, you're not looking at a great Dortmund side or a great Real Madrid side. That Dortmund side in 97 finished third in the Bundesliga. The Real Madrid side finished fourth and had to get a little leg up as the holders. Of course, this was a a thing that would run and run until UEFA eventually decided that the holders should automatically qualify um, for the Champions League some, what, almost 10 years later, wasn't it? Um, So Lippi had some unfinished business with the Champions League and this was the second really great Juventus side in a European Cup Champions League context that he constructed. Mm. Um, so, to, yeah, you can't emphasise enough two heavyweights. I mean, it's funny with Juventus because for me, they, they, they were often the team to beat. I know in a, in a previous pod when, um, was it John Bruin talking about Manchester United beating Juventus 3-2? Um, I think that was the, the, the game we covered. Which was you know, not the... Not the semi-final. Not, not the 98-9 semi-final, but the group game in 97-8. Yeah, it was almost Ferguson sort of getting that monkey off his back about yeah. Juventus. You know, th- this was a side with, with a lot of quality uh, and so on and so forth. Um, but Andy, I'm interested to say about the Real Madrid, you know, they were a side of, of great players, not a great team. But they were the holders. Yeah, they were. They were, and they they had the the quality to make the the difference in individual moments, and um, you know there were reminders of that through throughout this game. Um, the Zidane goal near the end, that right near the end, that brought 
um, Real Madrid back into it and gave them a little glimmer of hope mm. about going through. Of course, they'd won the first leg 2-1. When Zidane scored in this second leg, they were 3-0 down. Um, and, and then, of course, you look at you look at Figo, you look at the fact that they felt duty-bound, as Jonathan said, to throw Ronaldo on, despite the fact he had that, that, that calf sure. injury. Well, we'll get to the second leg in, in the second half. But in the first leg, Real Madrid win, did win the game 2-1. Yeah, they did. And there was a bit of controversy with, uh, was it Roberto Carlos's goal? Yeah, there was. Well, uh, let's, let's talk about the first two goals first, though. So, I mean, the, uh, the first goal is, is a real classic Ronaldo goal. Mm. You know, what, you know, if you say, describe Ronaldo goal, <laughs> okay, it might start with him meeting two men or three men or four men, but it will always finish with him lining up the keeper, setting the keeper on his arse and putting it past him. That's right. And this was a lovely little touch from Morientes to, to set him through. Yeah, and yeah, runs on and just the, the inevitability that he was going to score. It depends which did. stage of Ronaldo's career with the men beforehand. Yeah. Early on in his career, he'd beat a couple of men. Later on, it would just be putting the keeper on his ass. But as you say, either way, the the the, uh, the end of it would always happen. It's an interesting point you make about Morientes as well, who was an unused substitute in the second leg, and yeah. they, they could have done with a a bit of that guile. I mean, he was perennially underrated at the Bernabeu. Of course, you could say the biggest Champions League contribution. Morientes ever made was against Real Madrid when he was on loan to Monaco against them when he scored in both legs and knocked them out in the quarterfinals <laughs> in 2004. Yeah, well, yeah, they got their yeah. They did get their come up. I suppose so, yeah, he must have enjoyed that somewhat. But that's the sort of, you know, it's a classic thing of clubs with loads of money don't really appreciate the talent they produce themselves. Yeah, that, 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 that is true. And they'd, they'd rather play the flashy player they paid 30 million yeah, for course. than a kid who's got everything. Well, you could you could say Real Madrid in in this era kind of pioneered that really, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. So that was uh, Ronaldo scores his goal. Uh and then right on half time um uh Trezeguet equalizes from a nice little cross from Del Piero. Mm-hmm. Uh so 1-1. Uh and then yeah, the controversial winner. So there's a, there's a Dan corner which is sort of half cleared comes to Roberto Carlos who sort of on the top corner of the box, strikes it through a crowd of players, goes in the bottom corner, mm-hmm. and it looks like a really nice goal. Mm. So if, I, I think if you watch it with modern eyes, you don't really see anything wrong. No, I think that's But it. you suddenly realise Lansman's flags up. Yeah. Because there's four Real Madrid players in offside positions. Now, whether they're interfering with the keeper's eye line or not is an argument that you can, yeah. I mean, we still have, have, have forever. But certainly in the context of a time... Allowing that goal, I think, was controversial. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, yeah. I think nowadays, you, you, there may be a little suggestion nowadays, and, and I know the offside law, well, with uh, VAR is... Person, personally, I think if a player's in the six-yard box he's off, and he's offside, then he's interfering. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's, there's four of them. I don't know how that can't distract the goalkeeper. Yeah, but, but certainly back then, I think it was a surprise that the goal was given. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And, you know, it was one of those goals from Roberto Carlos, which makes us think that he scored every week yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> which right. is clearly not the case clearly as the we case. saw in the second leg but did you think though that Real Madrid would go on and win mm. this game because they would have been favourites yes they were the holders uh, and of course it was Milan who were waiting in the final a classic Milan side yeah again I mean you look at the names in Juventus and Real Madrid Milan were there mm. and I think perhaps I maybe people thought Real Madrid versus Milan would have been the two best sides yeah at the time in the in the in the continent, maybe, but that would be looking at Milan in a, a European Cup context because okay, fair uh, enough. You know, Milan finished what third in in, in the league that True. season. The, the the good thing for Juventus going into the second leg of this 
is that already through a 2-2 draw with Parisia, although obviously they would have liked to win it more in style, had won the league the, the, the previous weekend. So that was a huge weight off their shoulders. They could fully concentrate on this. They were in a situation where the Deli Alpi was full. So, of course, it's not easy against Real Madrid. The, the fitness issues are a, a, a thing, though. Um, as Jonathan was saying, Makalele um, being out completely. Ronaldo only left on the bench. They could bring back Raul, of course. He missed the first game because he had appendicitis. Mm-hmm. Um, but he never really got into the game. No, absolutely. All right, let's talk about the game in the second half. Figo che ha segnato due gol in questa edizione della Champions League contro il Genk. Soprattutto contro il Manchester United nella gara del Bernabeu parte, attenzione, para Buffon, para Buffon e probabilmente questo è un intervento decisivo. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. Welcome back to Greatest Games, everybody. Now then, it's the Deli Alpi, as we've mentioned before. 
It's of course an evening kickoff for the Champions League, and uh, and Real Madrid missing one or two key players, but there's still quite a lot of talent in that side, Andy. Yeah, there is. Um, there's no doubt about that. And um, we talked about Zidane. Uh, we talked about Figo, and yeah, quality throughout. Raúl coming back. I think what was the biggest theme? Cambiasso in there as well. Ca- yeah, is it, uh, is it just me or did Real Madrid just never understood Cambiasso? <laughs> I know what you Maybe mean. They kept sticking him out on the left. <laughs> what are you doing? But if you don't have Makaleli, play him in the middle. I know it's madness. When I, when and I, also, I... how on earth do you try and get Conceição and Figo in the same side? Why are you trying to play two Portuguese right wingers at once? <laughs> is he Portuguese or is he Brazilian? Have I fucked that up? Brazilian. Fuck. Forget that bit. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on though. I, well, really, they, they were doing what they often try to do with so many stars and sort of use Concisau and Cambiasso to try and sit. It didn't fit together very well and there was no protection for the defence. But having said that, they didn't defend very well either. Yeah. And mm. Ike Casillas well, okay. didn't have a great game either. An example of how they can't defend is when you get Del Piava winning a big back post header. Like, that, what that on was, earth is going on there? You see, that's the incredible thing, isn't it, Jonathan? We think of the craft hmm. in this Juventus side. And the first goal, you've got... 11 Pavel, minutes Pavel, in. Pavel Nedved out on the right, doing his, his, his sort of Dennis Wise bit. Back to Fashionu. No, it's not Fashionu. It's Del Piero <laughs> at the far post. Peas in the pod. Uh, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Knocks it, knocks it down for... Terry Gibson stroke. Yeah. Uh, Trezeguet to, to sweep it in. And I, I think that... The fact that Real Madrid are taken so aback by the directness of this. The second goal, which we'll get to, is more Del Piero. Mm-hmm. But that first one, it, it could have been out of the Wimbledon or Watford or Sheffield yeah. Wednesday playbook. Well, I know, it's I, a very deep cross. And I don't, I don't know why Salgado is so central. I don't know how he's got dragged so far across because he then can't get across. So Del Piero is, is unmarked to head it back. Well, he's ball watching, isn't he? And you're absolutely right to point that out, Jonathan, because Casillas gets a lot of stick for this goal. It's Salgado's fault. No, I don't think it's Casillas' fault. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Salgado's got dragged towards the ball, and that I think's had a knock-on effect on Hilgeri. He then can't get across to Trezeguet when he makes yes. that sort of angled run across the near post. Mm. I, I didn't realise people blame Casillas. Well, because yeah. he went in the near post. Certainly in Spain, yeah. I think that's very harsh. It, it is harsh, isn't it? I think it's, it's worth at this point looking at the link between Trezeguet and Del Piero as well, um, because I think when we lock up a lot of latter stages of the Champions League now, certainly Champions League finals, and this was by no means a great Champions League final when we eventually got to it. You think... Well, it was bloody awful, Andy, is yeah, what you Yeah, well, well you, th- you think when the, the, the worst recipe for a Champions League final, when players are exhausted anyway, is two teams from the same country playing each other. Yeah. And we saw that with Liverpool and Tottenham this year, didn't we? A really mm-hmm. flat occasion where everyone's a bit tired and no one's prepared to to dare because they're scared to, to to make a mistake. But I I think if you look at Juventus, what should have made them okay and what definitely made them okay in the second part of, of, of this semi-final is the fact that injuries can kind of work for you sometimes. And I think it's definitely worked for them because you look at Trezeguet and Del Piero miss substantial chunks of the season. If you go back to the quarterfinal mm-hmm. against um, Barcelona, Zalieta, Marcelo Zalieta scored the, scored the winner, of course, in, in the Camp Nou in extra time against all the odds when they were down to 10 men. Yeah, after it was Edgar Davids had been sent off. But the fact that they played significantly less games than they might have done this season, I think gave them a little bit more. I mean, Trezeguet got injured in, 
in pre-season and it took him a, a long time to get right. Um, Del Piero got injured in, I think, about October, November and missed two months. I mean, he still had a really good season no, in I... Serie A, 16 and 24, yeah. which is which is great. But the, the fact that they, they had this extra edge to them, and it's not just about Real Madrid's mm. organisation. This was a event aside, and if we, again, for a minute, go back to that side in the late 90s, they were very experienced, polished side. Mm. There's no doubt about that. Of course, they changed a lot between... 96 and 97 with Ravinelli and Viali going and um, Vieri coming in, Del Piero being more prominent, Boxic being being part of it. But I have to say this event aside was far more dynamic and yeah. cut and thrust. And this really came well, through did, in this game. How do you game. think Trezeguet and Del Piero worked almost like as a front two? I yeah. suppose, you know, Del Piero just off him, you know, that was the role he tended to Yeah, it was, it's a classic clash. Yeah. 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 The quick guy and the, the shorter, skillful guy. And, and obviously they're both mm. they're both more than that, but but it's a very kind of mm. typical. It's Eric Gates and Marco Gabbiadini. I was about to say, <laughs> uh, Phillips and Quinn, Jonathan. Why don't we uh, bring that? As well, well, Quinn wasn't quick. Yeah, try. Yeah. Been a bit silly now. But. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him who's favourite Sunderland front two should be. Come on. I'm gonna, uh, this is part of his contract. Isn't it? We have to mention <laughs> not, not many things that are off limits here. But, sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but it is pleasing to see a, a, a sort of a, almost like a proper front two partnership. Right, that, that, that knockdown of Delphi for first goal was very Nile Quinn, to be fair. There so well, you see. I didn't uh, say it for no reason, Andy. <laughs> but, uh, but it's nice because you, you don't get front twos you don't get the partnership now it's usually the lone striker and the wingers either side that kind of thing but this was one of the top sides in the world then and they were, they were playing a front two and as you say it was that sort of classic combo which worked uh, very well for them and uh, you know, about sort of half an hour whatever it was later Alessandro Del Piero does get his goal to put Juventus 2-0 up on the evening yeah just inside the penalty box and it was it, it was a bit like seeing one of an NBA great doing a doing a crossover and and putting a player on his back. Because he put two players on the on the on the backsides <laughs> in the same move. Completely wrong footed, Yero, uh, and put him on his ass. And then did the same to Salgado, who well the ball was in the net before he could even fall onto his backside. Hmm. And that was at the near post. But there's absolutely no chance of yeah. But to do, see you, us do you not that. think the thing that struck me watching that back? It's just a long clearance to Miguel Tudor. Yes. And the ball's in the air for a long, long time. How does Del Piero have time to take well, the ball? I mean, it's a beautiful touch to take the, the ball The touch down. is incredible, But yeah. why isn't somebody tight on him to stop him <clears> doing <throat> that? That's what I don't get. Yeah, and no, that, no, no, that is no, the no, ball that Yero should be coming to, to, to get, you could argue. Yeah, it just makes no sense that the ball can travel that far, you know, that high, and... I mean, basically, defenders should be beating Del Piero in the air, but at the very least, he should be stopping him taking it down as he did. You know what? I think we're maybe not giving Del Piero enough credit there because I think what's noticeable is how he completely changes direction before he takes the touch. So he shuffles as if he's going outside and then shuffles back inside. It's all in the hips, okay. really, before he actually brings the ball down. So I I think that that does Yero. Because the thing that occurred to me, I mean, yeah, you, you, you're almost certainly right, but the thing that occurred to me... And it's a danger. It's a danger with, you know, when you talk about games from the past, and uh, you, know, you you sort of inevitably talk about the goals. Of course, we do. Yeah. What we don't see is the half hour between the two goals when Trezeguet and Del Piero were dragging Real Madrid all over mm. the place mm. and wearing them out, and and you know may, maybe maybe that's where we're not giving the Juve forward on enough credit that they they sort of worn them down to two minutes before half time. And maybe they, they do get a bit sloppy. That's just, you know, there's a booming high ball. That's that's ours. And then Del Piero, 
be a great touch and you know the little shuffle of his hips as well maybe just to throw him off yeah quite possibly also we should say that I think it was between those two goals Guzzi had a great chance for Real Madrid and he and he sort of thinks he's offside Raul it was in the end I think oh was it okay he just like pokes it straight at Buffon yeah yeah. it could have changed the whole complexity of the game but it could have it seems a bit of an anomaly though really in the grand scheme of things Yeah, um, because 2-0 at half time and then yeah, the momentum was with Juventus oh enormously yeah. I mean when Del Piero scored that second goal you know, bear in mind it only takes you know one Real Madrid goal and it's all Square again, it's all it's all level, but again, the, the celebrations, the way it went in, it was just very much like this is our night. It's eighties Serie A, isn't it? With like everyone <laughs> yeah. on the pitch, mm. all the backroom staff yep. jumping on on Del Piero, and yeah, there is just such a sense of adrenaline. I think coming from mm-hmm. the stands, an occasion that you didn't get often enough at the old. Dele Alpi, just as you say, a sense of being just taken away in the moment. Really. Very much so, yeah. But then, of course, in the second half. Real Madrid get a penalty. I think mm. they have their chances, don't they? That's just, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, you, it, it sort of feels like a comfortable win. Well, and it kind of was, and yet. Well, when I when I watched the, 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 some of the match back, I was surprised actually with that chance in the first half, and then obviously with the penalty. And Montero should be sent off. Yeah, he should he be sent already off. been booked. There's no, I mean, that's probably a red card anyway, but it's it's at the very least a yellow card. But you for remember on Salgado, isn't it? Salgado for the Fallon? penalty. No, yeah. it's a big Ronaldo. Fallon Ronaldo, because I think that's the thing that it's easy to forget about latter day Ronaldo. He's, he's he's a bit heavier. He's mm-hmm. not the player he was pre injury, but over that first three four yards, that, he's still that incredibly quick. It's unbelievable, yeah. and he, he just you can't even blame Montero for it. No. It's just when he gets the ball and he moves towards the box, he's he's so so quick, and I don't know. Maybe maybe that's why the the referees let Montero off. I agree with you. I don't think it's justifiable. But <laughs> well, on the he, basis of he is very see, quick, I'll let you off with that. One. Well, it's also <laughs> well, well, it reminds me of Luke Moore doing a foul in a five aside mm. tournament. We did and going ref. He's just too good for me. Yeah, he's too quick for me. Yeah, that's right. But Montero sort of you know he, he's. He's the sort of uh, precursor to Fernandinho, just a player who commits an extraordinary number of fouls and <laughs> yeah. don't book him for it. Yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? It's like he's sort of it's it's slightly like, invisible. Well, the thing about Montero's is... allowed to have four yellow cards before he gets sent <laughs> yeah, off, and he still got sent off a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, because... the thing about it, about that is even the the mild mannered old uncle that's Vicente del Bosque is brandishing his imaginary card <laughs> oh, yeah. on the touchline. Yeah, because Ronaldo was brought on brought on for about fifty two minutes, I think. So obviously, then he uh, wins the penalty. Figo steps up. It's not a good pen. And Buffon saves it. It's not a great pen. It's, it's And he's nice about fight. four yards off his line yep. when it when he saves it as well. So but you expect again. Figo to because again, I still think a lot of people, in fact, probably myself included, if I can if I can remember, you're watching that game thinking, this is a good Juventus side, but it's Real Madrid. They're the holders, they've yeah. got some of those players. Okay, here you go, they've got the penalty, they're finally gonna start to, to get back in it. The penalty saved, and that's the moment I think where you think this is Juventus's night. Well it's a, it's a strangely poor bit of play, actually, isn't it, from both players two of the absolute greats of all time because Figo absolutely telegraphs the penalty mm. and Buffon absolutely telegraphs his reaction. Like he's yeah. gone so early that you think, well, surely Figo's going to put it in the other corner. I mean, I'm, I'm not telling Luis Figo how to take penalties. <laughs> I think the other thing to note is as a precursor to what happens next, in the build-up to that, where it's Cambiasso, I think, who smuggles the ball through to Ronaldo in the first place and you're right, Cambiasso gets let a little bit more off the leash in the second half as they're, they're chasing the goal that they need. And Nedved, who's been, he's, he's all about snap. 
he's quick. Like to see a playmaker who's that quick is always like ex- yeah. exhilarating. A bit like Kevin De Bruyne nowadays, mm. I suppose. But he snaps into challenges as well, and he knows he's on a booking from a previous round, and so he just. He goes up towards Cambiasso, and just as he's about to make contact with Cambiasso, he sees Cambiasso's got in front of him. And Nedved puts his arms up and goes, No, I'm not touching him. Mm. And then Cambiasso gets it through. Ronaldo takes it past Montero, who takes him down, and it's a penalty. Yeah, interesting, especially as what's to come. Yeah. Um, but Nedved then has his moment where he's kind of put through and finishes superbly. Uh, yeah, know, the ball over the top from Zambrotta. It's another straight ball, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a it's a beautiful finish. He scores, game over. He jumps over the hoarding, celebrating to the fans. And and that should have been the last thing that you really sort of say about Nedved on the night because he well, was he man of the match, was he? I mean, he was yeah. absolutely phenomenal. I mean, this night. was his year as well. Yeah, he was a great player. Um uh of course he was, but he, and, and one can forget because uh, there's just so many other players you know you remember and so on. But but Nedved was phenomenal, and as you say, Andy, it, it was his. It should have been his year in the Champions League. Man of the match performance in that second leg caps it off with a, with a, with a brilliant goal because he was phenomenal all evening, and then of course gets a booking later on. When the most a, heart, heartbreaking bookings since yeah. Gaza in the 1990 World Cup semi final or Roy Keane and Paul Scholes, yeah. Skulls was later. Can we can we say we've got slightly less sympathy for Roy Keane than we have for Gaza or, or Pavel Nedved? I think we can. Well, Skulls though, in that I mean, oddly, they all happened in Turin, apart from I, I suppose. In fact, no, they did all through all those regards yeah. we're talking about yeah, all happened in right. that stadium. That's, didn't they? Right, that's <laughs> right, they did. I, I suppose the difference is in the reaction, isn't it? I it, knew because they were through. Seen, you just see Nedved as soon as he he's halfway through making the tackle, he which have done is Manaman, isn't it? Yeah. I, who, who thought thought it like an Englishman ruining a European Cup final at Old Trafford? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 he's not even fully made the tackle. Yeah, Nedved when he's thinking, "Oh shit, I've I've, I've done it here." But I don't know why he, he was obviously so pumped. Maybe yeah, because as I you say, he pulled of, out full, of, full, of, full of full of adrenaline from his soul. Maybe I remember being gutted when that happened. I just think it's so so difficult to. Not play a natural game. Yeah, absolutely. You just, you know, if you go in for that type of tackle, you go in for that type of tackle. I think you can't. It must be so difficult. I mean, he obviously was able to once to, to stop himself, but you can't play with that. Mm. And, and, but you Jonathan, know, no, it almost it almost cost him, didn't it? Not making that tackle because if Figo had scored the penalty, yeah, yeah, go quite, yeah. Which maybe kind of made him think, oh, I've just got to go in for these. Yeah, yeah, but at three nil up with McManaman, the balls, yeah, but fairly... three nil up. If you concede one, suddenly you're on a knife edge again. No, I agree. As, as they ultimately were. Of course. Very briefly. But, but where the ball was on the pitch. Yeah, it was yeah. like centre yeah, line. I, really, I, I, I just remember watching it being so gutted. And he was he gutted. was magnificent. You just see him yeah. like bend over to his haunches and go, oh, this is it, isn't it? Yeah. And because they knew they were going through. Yeah. I mean, you know, some people may think, you know, Gaza getting that second book. And it was quite fanciful to think that he already had his. My, well, he didn't maybe not have his mind on the final. Well, well, he did. He... No one wants to miss a third place playoff. <laughs> no, exactly, Andy. Um, but Nedved and Juventus. I mean, despite that Zidane goal, they, they were going through. They were three 0 up. Well, and... I, I think I think it actually does hurt Nedved's reputation. Yeah, in that, absolutely. In that, it had he played at Old Trafford and set up the winner or, or whatever. Yeah. You'd think of him as our oh, 2002 3. Mm-hmm. That was Nedved's year. That yep. was the year he he won the, mm-hmm. the Champions League and he was the best player in the mm-hmm. competition. 
And now he's sort of like, oh, yes, yeah, so he's the Czech bloke who played for Juve and he was, he was pretty good. But people don't put him well, that, that level of all. And, Wesley and, Snyder never gets the credit for 2010, though, does he? So. That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But with uh, you, you're right with Nedved. And then a year later at the Euros, the Czechs play the Dutch in the, their opening. It might have been the opening game of the tournament. It wasn't maybe. the opening game of the tournament. It was, oh, okay. it was their first game. The opening game of the tournament was Portugal v Greece. Ah, right you are. Yeah, of course, 2-1 Greece. Um, but yeah, so the, the, the opening game of that group, which had... Netherlands and France in as well as Czech Republic and I remember Ned you know Czech Republic should have beaten the Dutch that night they were 2-0 up weren't they no that was the different that was um, later they lost 1-0 through okay. a late penalty and and I remember Nedved crashing one in off one off the bar, and it, it was so close. And because they lost that game, then France beat them, and then they were out after their first two games. And it was a brilliant um, Czech side. Uh, no, Euro two thousand. I'm talking about ah. yeah. Euro two thousand. So it was around that time. So get you. You're, you're absolutely right. So because they did go on in, in Euro two thousand four, but Euro two thousand and. It's all those nearly moments for Ned Nedved because that should have been his tournament in Euro 2000. But of course, they went out early. And well, then in 2004, they, you know, they they end up going out to Greece in in Porto in that ridiculous semi final. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you can make a strong argument. I think that Czechs are the best team in Euro 2004. Strong I would. Argument. No, I would. I, I, yeah. I, I went to that game in Porto thinking I was watching the potential. Yeah, the, the, mm. the team were going to go and win it, which yeah. I was. But it, it was the other team. Well, that that is a question, isn't it? If you go further back in this Champions League run for Juventus, mm. you think of Nedved's opener at Camp Nou, another fantastic yeah. goal that says "I own this pitch," yep. basically, and then him ultimately deciding the semi final against Real Madrid. If he goes on, as Jonathan says, and makes a contribution in Juventus winning mm-hmm. the final at Old Trafford, and they win the Euros the following year. I mean, it's only a few little tweaks of of history and how differently would people see him if they'd have yeah. won those two trophies, if he'd have won those two trophies. He was such a brilliant player. Um, and then, as you already mentioned, Zidane scores. So he squeezes a shot across late, Buffon in the far post. Yeah. But it, again, I just remember thinking that was a consolation. In fact, the way Zidane reacts, it's almost like he thinks it's a consolation. Well, as, as well, he's... True against you know, his old team. You know he's steaming mad inside because he got <laughs> booed all night as well. Yeah, and no one broods like Zinedine Zidane. Certainly not Zinedine Zidane, the player. Yeah, I yeah. mean you know it's you know it's all bubbling under there, don't you? At all Indeed. times with Zidane, absolutely. Yeah, and Juventus go through to the final. Of course, play Milan at Old Trafford. It's a dreadful game, and Milan went on penalties. Shevchenko doing it for Lobanovsky. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. He died the previous year. Yeah. Or was, or was it even that season? It was 2002 he died. Was it late? Yeah, it was probably 2002. It was that season, wasn't it? Yeah. Are you asking me a question on Lobanovsky? <laughs> I was just being polite to <laughs> <laughs> He's thinking out loud. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, two marvellous teams. And uh, yeah, oh, lovely to mention Pavel Nedved, Andy. We appreciate that. Um, so there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for listening to Greatest Games on Football Ramble Daily in association with the Blizzard. It's been a pleasure, Andy. As always. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jonathan. Cheers, thank you. And we'll see you next week. Was a Stakhanov production.